Hi, good morning. Good to see everybody here with us on our main campus. Also, welcome to those who are joining us online. So, obviously, a lot of stuff uh, coming uh, with Easter, obviously. And so, we're going to be talking about uh, those things that we're going to be doing. We're going to talk about, uh, again, what a special time Easter is, opportunity uh, like no other to be able to invite and uh, try to get the message of the gospel to people who have never heard uh, before. So we're excited about that time. But before we get there, just real quick, we want to go through our giving slide. So our giving monthly budget of 45000 February's giving uh, over budget for the month. And then something that I want to highlight. So uh, if you can see new givers. So new, new giver is determined by people who have been giving on a consistent basis. And so we have been here for 17 years. So that's when we planted the church 17 years ago. In 17 years, we have never seen 15 people become new givers. So I'm like... Thankful because for a lot of different reasons, but one of the main things is is that we consider ourselves a little bit different. Like if you went to a church before, this might be a little bit different for you because this whole building is for the community. So your ability to be able to give makes the, this building a community center, an opportunity for people to be here throughout the week, an opportunity for, for other businesses to be in here and operate. Um, and so we're just so thankful that people see that um, as a part of the mission and vision of what we're doing and also an opportunity to uh, go out and reach people and provide a building for uh, the community. So thanks for your giving and thanks for being a part of that. All right, so we have a couple standalone uh, messages leading up till Easter. And so we have this week, Palm Sunday, and then Easter. Um, but I want to uh, talk to you today uh, in a message that I think will, if you're, uh, first of all, if you're coming maybe for the first time, and or you've been coming for a while and you're trying to decide if this is your church, or if you've been coming for a while and need to be reminded, like, this is why Life Church exists, this is a great message for you to be a part of. Because I've always said, like, if you're here today and you're searching and you're trying to figure out, is Life Church a place that I want to stay and be a part of? I tell people all the time, that's a serious decision because, remember, the church exists to help you do ministry, right? So when you are trying to figure out whether or not this is a church that fits you, we want you to know that like part of being a picking or choosing to be a part of Life Church is to say, we're helping you get done in the world, or we're helping you get done at this church, what you're trying to get done in the world when it comes to reaching people. And so knowing what the church is about, knowing uh, uh, what, what our values are and the things that, and things that we do and how we do them, I think is an important aspect of choosing a church. Now, this message that we're going to do today, over the course of 17 years, we've probably done it every other year, um, and because it's really the foundational value system on, like, how do we do things, and what do we stand for, and what's always going to be important to us, and it was birthed out of this. So when I was at the Methodist Church, I was a part-time youth pastor, and so as a part-time youth pastor, one of the things that I noticed when it came to, to kids was... Um, how they really didn't understand a big picture worldview. Like, they would complain about things that I'm like, do you know how the rest of the world lives? Because if you did, you wouldn't be complaining. 
right? Like, and that's easy to say because then they're looking at you, yeah, right, old man. So tell us a story about how you walk to school in your bare feet and, you know, all those stories we tell our kids. Anybody else tell their kids, like, you have no idea how it was when I was a kid. You know, we had to do this every morning. So they're like, so I said, you know what would be good? Take people out of their environment put them in another environment and let them see how the rest of the world lives, right? So we decided to do a mission trip to uh, Guatemala. And as we were doing this mission trip to Guatemala, we were gonna stay at an orphanage. uh, I call it a compound, but the orphanage was built um, by the House of Hope and the House of Hope would bring in kids and house families. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful place. Taught kids skills and trades. They had house families to raise these kids instead of the other part, which we took him to inside of uh, Zacapa, you know, inside of the city, was the state orphanage. And so if you've ever been on a mission trip, a mission-funded orphanage is way different than the state orphanage, right? Like, it's completely different. So the kids were here, interacting and playing with the kids, having a great time, and then they would go into the state orphanage, and one of the markers of the state orphanage is you pull up there, and there's kids, there's bars all the way around our kids, looking out the bars, just trying to reach out to touch you because these were kids that, you know, 50, 60, 75 kids that don't get physical contact. They don't get physical touch. They don't get somebody holding them. Like, that's a part of it. And so we took the kids in there. And to this day, if you talk to some of those kids that went on a first mission trip, this has been one of the most impactful things that they ever had in their life. They would go in there. We spread out all of these toys, which in America, you put out cool toys, kids are going to go play. So we put out all these cool toys on the floor. We were giving them all these gifts, and here were 12 and 13-year-old boys and girls that would not get off the lap of the, the young people who were there because all they wanted was help. And you're complaining about what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for the kids, like, you're complaining about what? These kids have all of these toys, but they just want to be held. Well, the other part of it was, so it was getting some experience, right, of understanding what the rest of the world lives like and understanding the gift that you have in America, even though it doesn't always sound the best, was we were going to hike up into the mountains, and we were going to do children's ministry, and we were going to do adult ministry, but the idea was we were going to hike into villages that had not heard the gospel, right? Or we were going to hike into villages who had invited other villages in that had not heard the gospel, right? So the children's ministry was to draw kids in and parents in to be able to do it. So they said, here's one of the things you need to do. You need to prepare to share the gospel, okay? So I go back to our youth group, and I said, hey, here's the deal. We're getting ready. We're going to Guatemala. Here's part of the preparation process. Like, you know, here's what you're going to have to pack. Here's what's going to cost you money, blah, blah. You know, you go through a list. You might have been on a mission trip. It's a long list, and you got to be prepared for everything. And then I said, and you need to get prepared. These are all Christian kids. You need to get prepared to share your testimony. And they're all like, you're what? And I'm like, your testimony. Like, we're going to share the gospel. Like, part of sharing the gospel is... There was Jesus before, like, no Jesus. I got Jesus. This is what Jesus is like for me now. Like, this is the change. That's your testimony, right? And they're all like, well, I don't really know if I'd have anything to say. I didn't grow up in a, you know, a bad house, and I've kind of just always been a Christian, and it just kind of always has been that way. And I'm like, so you're not excited about, like, I get it. Maybe you gave your life to Christ when you were really young. And you might not like remember the before, but you're not like on fire for what he's doing for you right now. 
like how he's changed your life and like you have Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit living inside of you and you don't have something to say uh, I don't know not really so it made me think here we are we're preparing to go on a mission trip to go give the gospel to people who don't know Jesus because we're going to a mission field and I thought wait a second this is a mission field You've been growing up in a mission field. You've been going to school in a mission field. Like I know it's Adam Central, but there's still people who don't know Jesus at AC, right? South Adams, way lost, AC. See, you can tell nobody's from Adams County. If you were, you would get that joke. Anyway, there's still people that need Jesus, right? Like this is a mission field. Does that make sense? So like, how is it that if this is our mission field that you haven't been preparing or giving your testimony and it's just like, hey, we're going to another mission field. So I always said, listen, if I ever get a chance to be a part of a church, I don't want to create that culture. I don't want to create a culture of going to a mission field and living in a country club, which is what I thought was created. Right? I thought the church created a comfortable environment for people to grow, you know, in their knowledge of the Bible, and then when it was time to go on mission, it was to go somewhere else, because for sure there wasn't anybody in the church that needed Jesus, right? There wasn't anybody in there. Like, everybody there was already saved and already right and already good, and, you know, I said, we should create a culture where everywhere you are, including church on Sunday morning, is a mission field, Right? Like there should be people who don't know Jesus inside of your church. And if there isn't, we have probably not done a very good job. Right? Like that would be the concept or the idea behind it. So I'm going to give you a couple of scripture that when we talked about this early on, like this is what it was based out of. It wasn't like this idea of like we want to create a church and, you know, it's all of our own ideas. These were ideas that came through what we would consider our commission, right? Our ability to be able to uh, carry out what Christ asked us to do. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 28. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 20. So now, remember what was going on. So Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Here's the deal. Jesus chose disciples for a reason, right? The reason was he knew within a few years he was going to be gone and somebody need to carry on the mission. Right? Yeah, so he knew, like, I got to get people ready for and prepared for the mission at hand. Right? Like, they got to be able to do something. So when he would pick them, he would say, spend time with me, but this is why you should spend time with me because I'm getting you ready for something. And so when I leave, you are plan A and there is no plan B. Right? Like, that's the idea behind it. So Jesus picks his disciples, and for three years, he spends a lot of time with them. He shows them, you know, the power of God through healing people. He shows them this is what the law really means and how you should carry it out in your life. So he talked about that. He showed them what it meant to love people. He showed them what it meant to have a relationship instead of just religion which was a big problem at the time. Lots of people who were religious but didn't have a relationship with God. And so we talked to him about that. And he said, what we're going to see in Matthew 28, now that you know all of these things, we got to do something about it, right? There's got to be something that happens. So Jesus dies on the cross. He's, he uh, comes back, and when he comes back, he gives them this uh, uh, commission. 
Here's what he says. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, so pause. This is really important. Jesus dies, right? He uh, goes away, there's an empty tomb, and then he comes back and he gathers his disciples together and he tells them something. Here's what you need to know. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, right? Now, we can fast forward a little bit because there's something we know. And when he gives it to, when he says all authority has been given to me, when I ascend to heaven, I have something to give you, which is going to be the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So all of that authority that you've been given, that he's been given, was given for a reason. Now we have to do something about it. It can't just be like, hey, let's all celebrate. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Right? Like, it, what do you do now? So what do you do now that all authority in heaven and on earth has now been given to Jesus and the Holy Spirit's gonna live inside of all people who proclaim the name of Jesus Christ? What are you supposed to do? Well, that's where, and remember when I told you, you guys, if you're studying the Bible and you get to a therefore, circle it, underline it, highlight it, because you just heard something that you better do something about. Right? Like this isn't just information for you to understand. This is information that now you have a job. So what's our job? Now that we know that Jesus has all authority in heaven on earth, and we know from fast-forwarding the story that Jesus is going to give us the Holy Spirit, which is going to live inside of us, what should we do with that knowledge and information? Here's what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's he tell us to do? Go. That's the first thing. The first thing that we have to understand inside of a church, and we're going to talk about this here in a little bit of how it fits into life church. You have to understand there are people in this world that need told about Jesus. It doesn't happen through osmosis, right? It doesn't happen because you prayed somebody heard about it. You know how how people hear about Jesus? You tell them, right? Like you have to say it. You have to give them. You have to talk to them about the story. Like, you have to be able to go out. And and here's the crazy thing, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. You have to go out to people, right? Because this is part of the problem with the church. You have to go out to people who aren't always like you. Like, they don't think like you. They don't act like you. They might not vote like you. But they still need Jesus, right? Like, that's the whole idea is they still need Jesus. And again, when I say it, it seems funny, but I've had people before say this. Like, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, hey, these are church people, right? They'll come up and they'll be like, you know, we came to Life Church and we like what you're doing, but, but here's what they'd say. But we can't stay because these people aren't my people. And I'm like, Because you know what they're saying? What I love, 
Life Church is diversified. Life Church is full of people who are searching, trying to figure it out, people who are mature, people who are from different social economic places. Like that's what's so great about the church, right? And it's what church people sometimes don't like because they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so, and you know, when they were in the Bible study, they said some weird things. And I'm like, I know, isn't that great? Like, isn't that cool, like the diversity of how it all works, that there's this diversity of thought and to know that we get to be a part of that instead of creating a country club where everybody thinks alike, dresses alike, does everything alike, and we're all good, right? So he says, you gotta go. So go means you need to go out and be a part of people who might not be like you. And then he says, and you need to be making disciples of those people. Right? It's not just good enough to go out and tell them about Jesus. It's to take them and disciple them in a way so that they can then grow in their faith so they can go back out and do the same thing. Right? Like that's what he wants us to do because here's the message Right For all of us, we're like, oh, it's so hard to, to reach my friends, and it's so hard to reach people that, that don't know Jesus. Well, what Jesus would have said to them, this is John 6, 35. He says, I want to give you a little bit of a heads up. You guys have something that nobody else has. Like, you have something that when people are out trying to sell stuff to people, you have something that nobody else in the world has. Here's what you have. Here's what he says. This is in John six thirty five. He says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here's what we know about the world, whether they know it or not. We know that the world is hungry for something. And we know that a lot of times our hunger has led us to places that we probably shouldn't have partaken in. Yeah, thank you right? Like we have, like you were hungry and something else filled it, right? Whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's work, whether it's money, whether it's success, whether, I mean, whatever it is, we were hungry, we filled it and we're like, I'm hungry again. That didn't work. Like that didn't ease the pain. That didn't relieve the stress. That didn't make my anxiety get to where it needs to be. Whatever, I keep taking it in, but it's not working. And he's saying, Jesus is like, I got the answer for that. <laughs> you want something that will make it so that you're never hungry again? You want something so you'll never be thirsty again? So you'll stop the destructive behavior that's happening in your life? Here it is, him. And only you have it. You, as Christian people, you're the ones who have it. And we need to be prepared to be able to give it to people. That makes sense? So as a church, so as a people of Christ, we have a mission, great commission. Go out, reach them, teach them, send them, right? We, as a people, have the, the ability to be able to give them something that will completely transform their life now. Easily said, easily put in a mission statement, right? Like the mission statement of Life Church and my mission is, the question is, but are you doing it? <laughs> and if you're not doing it, how do we do it? 
right? Like, how do you go out, and how do you make disciples, and how do you, you know, fulfill the Great Commission? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to take those two scriptures, and we're going to put it down to how do we view it at Life Church, right? And how do we, and how are we strategic when it comes to reaching people that way? So here's what we know, right? So I haven't been to a mall in a really long time, right? But when I did go to a mall, they had food courts. Do malls still have food? Do malls still exist? Yes? Do they still have food courts? Okay, so one of the things you always saw in the mall at the food courts when I was there is those people outside of the food court that have the little samples, right? Those people still exist. Well, somebody told me they didn't exist because COVID. I'm like, I know, but before COVID, right? Like before COVID, there were people out there that said, hey, I have some samples. You should try some samples, right? And here's what they're trying to do because here's what we know about people. Well, here's what I know about me. So maybe this is not you, but here's what I know about me. If I've ate at a place and I like it, it's going to be hard to change my mind to get me to eat anything different. For however long the Big Mac and double cheeseburger has existed at McDonald's, I have got the same thing. Number one, large, they took away the supersize, bummer. But before that, it used to be number one, supersize with a double cheeseburger. I never got anything different. It was always the same. I don't care how many times you're going to try to convince me I'm not eating anything else because what if I don't like it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to throw away food, and I don't want to, like, that woof it down, and I don't really like it. So I get the same thing. I don't know if any of you guys are like that. Like, you're worried about you changing your eating habits, you know, and the things you want. So the people that are out there, right? So the people that are out there are trying to say, you should try this. Venture outside of your comfort zone. This is really good, right? Like, you should try it. Same concept, right? That's the same concept of what we're supposed to be doing right? The same concept is you have the bread of life. People have been eating a certain way for a really long time that don't know Jesus. We still tracking? Is any of this making sense? Yeah, so they've been eating the same way for a really long time. How do you change their eating habits? Give them something that's better. Give them something that will satisfy. Give them something that will change, right? So you are the people giving out the samples, Right? By the way that you live your life. You should be out there saying, here's a sample, here's a sample, here's a sample. Just meaning like, obviously not saying, here's a sample. But the way that you live is a sample of what the bread of life really looks like. So we as Christian people should be the people who are saying like, listen, I, here's what I know. If, if, you ever, if you ever eat all of the bread, it's going to, it's going to revolutionize you. But here's just a little piece. Right, here's just a little piece. Now, so at Life Church, we should be out, you should be out uh, giving samples to people. Now, here's what we know. The people that are giving samples, what do they hope happens? Yeah, they go to your restaurant or they go back to your little food place and you eat there, right? Now, how much of a bummer would it be if you're out there believing in, like, here's a sample, and it's so good, and it's going to change and melt in your mouth, and then you go to the restaurant, and it's awful. Anybody? 
Or like you went up there, have you ever had this? Nothing against high schoolers, but you go there and it's that high schooler that doesn't want to be there. It's the first person you see. Like, hey, I'm so excited. What do you want? <laughs> do you want fries with that? You know what I mean? It's just like, no one's too excited to be able to see the guests that just showed up, right? Like, like that first impression, nobody wants that. We're out there giving samples and we're hoping that when they pull in, from the time that they pull in the parking lot, they're gonna be like, we, they must have expected us, right? They must have known that we were coming, right? Because they're prepared. Well, here's the same concept. So we're, we're trusting that you're out giving samples. And we tell, you know, church, our church staff this all the time. We tell leaders all the time. We tell people that if you're a mature Christian, you know those, those cars that are parked clear out back? They're not parked there so they don't get dense. You know why they're parked there? Because you invited somebody and I want them to have a parking spot. You hear me? Like, you invited someone, and I don't want to be driving in like, oh my gosh, there's nowhere to park. We have to par park out in Boonesville and walk a mile to be able to get here. Be like, no, like, here's the best spot for you. Like, you need to know, like, we knew you were coming, so there's a spot for you. And so we say, like, we've intentionally thought about, you're out giving samples, so we're creating opportunities. So when your friend comes, they're like, wow, they really expected me to come. Like, I, I get this. To the point where, when they come, to the front door how important is it that the people at the front door be like welcome to the guests that came you know because people say this all the time why do you have greeters out there like I mean I know where I'm going I like I know you know they're not for you I didn't mean that I mean they are for you <laughs> I mean they are for you that come off bad? Like, they are for you. You know, I want them to say they love you. But at the end of the day, you know why they're there? Because if I'm going into a place for the first time and I don't know where I'm going, I want somebody to be like, I'll take you wherever you need to go. Like, I knew you were a guest. I saw that you were a guest. I want you to feel welcome to the people that are down here in the cafe that are saying, like, you made it this far. And somebody else is sitting right there by the cafe saying, hey, you made it this far. Let me help you get to the next step. Like, we want people to understand that if you went out and got an appetizer and people are going to come to the restaurant, if people are going to come to the church, that they feel welcome. In fact, if you listen to stories of people that have been baptized at Life Church. The first thing that comes out of their mouth is the first time that I ever came here, I felt welcome and accepted. And that's the first, because we as a church have thought about, and because you're out giving out samples and guests are coming and they're feeling welcome, right? It's making sense. It's giving an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do, right? Now, why do we have donuts? Because Lord knows we don't need any more donuts, right? Like, why do we buy donuts and have coffee and have that out there? I mean, can you put any guesses together? Because here's what we want you to do. We want you to fellowship with the guests. We want you to spend time with people that want to try to understand what is this? It's another appetizer. Like, yeah, this guy gave me you know, a piece of it, and I saw a little bit of Jesus, and now I see a lot of Jesus, 
right, by people who are welcoming and people who are like, wow, these people are really friendly. Like, this is an opportunity, for, you know, for you to fellowship with people. We wouldn't buy donuts just so you could eat donuts. Like, if the idea was to buy donuts for the country club, just so the country club could feel like we got donuts and coffee and they make us feel special, we wouldn't be buying donuts. They're there to create an environment for you to continue to give out appetizers and continue to make people feel welcome. That's what that area is out there for. And we very specifically think through that things to the point where when you come into the worship center and the things that we do and how we, you know, put all this together, all done with the idea of, like, listen, you're bringing a guest and we want them to feel welcome in the presence of people. People ask us all the time, why don't you pass the plate? I'm like, that's simple. People who are new in faith shouldn't be giving money. People who are mature in faith should be able to find a box. I don't have to remind them. <laughs> right? Like if you know that you're supposed to give, the boxes are there, I'm assuming you're gonna find them. Right? I don't need to guilt people into giving money or make somebody feel uncomfortable because a plate went by them and they didn't know what to do with it. Like, listen, giving's for believers. So believers give. People who aren't believers enjoy the atmosphere and environment. You know what? You know why we don't wear name tags? One, because I hate them. The other reason that we don't wear name tags and the reason that we don't get it, because I would say out of the number one requests that we've gotten at Life Church since the time that we started is this. Why don't you have everybody get up and welcome each other on Sunday morning? Here's why. If I came in and I was a guest and I sat down and you sat right beside me and you said nothing to me, and then the pastor walks in and says, hey, welcome everyone. Get up and welcome your neighbor that you're so glad to see. And they come over and they're like, hey neighbor, it's so great to see you. I'm be like, you are a faker. Because if I was your neighbor and you were so happy to see me, why didn't you say hi to me when you sat down beside me? Nobody else feeling that one. Come on, I'm like, if you are here knowing that there are guests present, why wouldn't we make them feel welcome because it's our calling and not because the pastor said you had to do it? Right, like very specific around these ideas that we wanna create environments for people that are natural in our calling, like the things that we want to be able to do. And so we are very specific from the time that you walk in to the time that you're in this experience to the time that you walk out, that we are on mission, right? And that we as a church have thought strategically about there's nothing that happens here at Life Church that hasn't been thought about with that strategy in mind. We put all of those things into play. And you've heard us talk about this. Everything revolves around three chairs around a table, okay? So, for us, in our philosophy of how we put things together strategically here at Life Church, is always the idea that there is a table, the preparation process, right? Bread of life, parking spots are for you, welcoming is for you, everything's on mission. We have prepared the table because at the middle of the table is the bread of life that could transform everybody. Like, that's the idea. 
Our idea is if we get people here, here's what we know. We know that if they partake from the bread of life, it will change their life forever. And so we're trying to get them in environments to take a bite, to not just have an appetizer, but to eat all of it and to experience all of it. And we say for a healthy church, a healthy church has to be made up of three separate chairs. Okay, So when we think about whether the church is healthy or not, we determine it by this. When we put a message together, it's determined by the three chairs. When we put a worship set, not we, when Nichelle puts a worship set or Corinne puts a worship set together, it's put on the idea that there will always be three chairs represented. When you're a greeter out front, here's what you're going to know. Three chairs are always going to be represented. When you serve in any area at Life Church, there's always three chairs represented. Here's the three chairs. The first one is we believe that the church should be made to have a portion of it of people who are searching, people who don't know Jesus. Like we think that the church should be, have a portion of its church that's made up of people who are still trying to figure it out. Like they don't know Christ yet. Somebody invited them, they're trying to get it figured out, but at this point in their life, they're like, I don't know if, if I am a believer. Because think about this. If the great commission is to go out to reach, teach, and send them back out, but your church doesn't have anybody in it that doesn't know Jesus, are we doing our job? No, right? Like, if, if there are people that, that are here that, that, and they're all people who already know Jesus, have we missed the point of our commission? Have we missed the point of saying, like, we have got to create a church environment where it's okay for, like, people who are mature in Christ, you know, people that are, you know, still trying to figure it out, and people that are, are, don't know him, but are trying to figure out who he is, can co-mingle together, and it's a special environment, right? Like, that's the way that it should work, but the problem is, a lot of times, churches can't deal with diversity. That's the problem, right? They can't deal with age diversity, they can't deal with economic diversity, and they for sure can't deal with lost people and saved people mingling around in the same room. So we've always said, we're going to create a culture inside of Life Church where diversity is celebrated, not squelched, right? Diversity is going to be celebrated when it comes to people who don't know Christ. We want to create environments where they feel like I could come in and I could feel welcome. It's like, you know, that, that I can come here and there is no pressure other than the fact of saying, I'm here, somebody invited me, and we're trusting that the Holy Spirit will do what only the Holy Spirit can do, which is the second chair. People that have been invited and they've come and, and they have partaken in the bread of life, but they're new. They're new Christians, right? They're still trying to get it figured out. They don't know exactly how it's all supposed to work, but they do know this, something has changed. Right? Have you ever been around? Maybe that's your story too. Like, I don't know. I came to church. Something happened. I gave my life to Jesus. Now there's something different. But you know what? <laughs> what are you supposed to do now? You know what I mean? Like people that are in this chair are so excited about what's going on, but they're like, so now what do you guys do? Like I got the whole part, like ask Jesus into my heart because he's the only one who can pay for my sins, right? This is the gospel message. Either you're gonna pay for your sins or Christ is gonna pay for your sins. I've decided that I want the blood of Christ to pay for all my sins, past, present, and future, and I'm going to celebrate my eternity, right? My eternity 
with him because of my decision. But now what do you guys do? What's after that? It's like, what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Like, how am I supposed to operate? And what are the things I'm supposed to do? Like, what am I supposed to do Monday? Right, so the church is always prepared to say, you know what? We got to get these people trained up, right? We got to give them the food that they need. We got to give them the instruction they need. We got to give them the stuff to be able to prepare them to not only be able to partake in food that is going to build their faith, but to exercise their faith. Like we all know this, right? You know, well, I should probably know this more, but I don't always adhere to it. The body's a machine, right? Like you put food in it so you can go out and exercise and do the things that you need to do. So I'm pretty good at partaking it in and not getting it out. (laughs) Right? Like the exercising piece of it. Like I love taking it in, running it out. Hadn't been that high on my priority list, if you couldn't tell. Right? So the idea of faith is, is that we partake of food and exercise it out. Now, the exercise level for somebody who just got started is small. And that's okay, right? Like, we're just helping teaching them exercise, and we're going to show them how to do it. But as a church, we're going to help them exercise their faith. And so we're going to give them the ability to exercise their faith. And so when we put messages together, it's not only like... If you don't know Jesus, let me help you. But if you do know Jesus and you've just been getting in it for a little bit, like let me help you understand how to exercise what you just heard. Don't just take in food without the ability to be able to exercise it out and be able to use it, okay? So always chairs of people who don't know, people who have come to know but are still new in their faith. And then this third chair are people who are mature, And here's what maturity looks like, and I think this is really important for us to understand. Maturity is not determined by your knowledge, but by your faith. Okay, so this is so important to understand. Don't, if if maturity, I think this gets mixed up sometimes, that sometimes people are considered spiritually mature because they know a lot about scripture. Well, just so you know, the Pharisees knew a lot about scripture. Right? The reason that Jesus was so mad at the Pharisees is because they did not live out what the Scripture said, the heart of what the Scripture is. So knowing Scripture, being so that you know more about the Bible, isn't the answer, right? Maturity is based upon, I know, so I do. I know, so I do. I know, so I do. Mature Christian people say, this is what I'm supposed to do, and so I go out and do it. I exercise my faith. Now, Here's what I think has happened too many times in the church, and we try to fight against this. So people got saved, new in their faith, and were like, eat up, man, eat up. We got all kinds of food for you. And they're like, give me some more food. This is so good. And they're taking it in, and the messages are so good. And I'm in a Bible study, and I'm learning so much, and everything's going good. And it's intake after intake after intake. And this Bible study has revolutionized my life. And now I can quote scripture, and I can never quote scripture before. And now I read the Bible, intake, intake, intake. And they're bellied up to the table, and they're getting fat. Because all the intake has not resulted in any exercising of faith. So you have churches full of people intaking all they can, but they can't 
push away from the table to exercise their faith. Mature people take in what they need, push away from the table, and exercise their faith, their gifting, the thing that God has called them to do. That's important for the health of a church, right? The health of the church can't just determine by how much food can you give for people to intake. The health of a church is how we can exercise the faith of the knowledge and the food that we've taken in. Does that make sense? Right, like that has to be because, listen, too many times I've seen this. Churches that started here, like reaching people and bringing people in and were raising them up and then pretty soon they forgot about the whole exercising their faith and they got a lot of people sitting around the table but the church is just dwindling and dwindling dwindling and people are getting fed right people are getting fed people are getting nourished but they're not exercising their faith and that one thing like 20 years ago when we used to be about reaching people and when we used to be about building people up we forgot about it because we've been so busy intaking food that we've missed the mission and that lampstand that Jesus Christ talks about in revelations on those churches is taken away because at that place we are not the church that God has called us to be that's what he says and if you're not going to be that the lampstand is taken away and the prosperity or the, the, the influence that you have is missing. We want to be a church that's on mission. And we want to be a church that's very strategic about carrying out the Great Commission. Now, one more chair I want to talk about. And this chair, what's funny about this chair is when we started Life Church 17 years ago, we had a lot of people in this chair. The high chair, right? And, I, and, then, and in this, lots of people, my wife was in the first service, and she's like, if you break Hadley's high chair, she's looking at me like, so I was like, I'll just practice my wall sits, right? Because like, my butt ain't fitting in, in that chair. But here's what happens, right? People get in this chair. We call it the high chair, the baby chair. And, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you, Today's statistic, there are 15,000 pastors that resign every year. And you know why I think they resign? Because of this chair. Because you know who sits in this chair? The people that are sitting in this chair are the people that are, they become Christian people, but they, they've all of a sudden forgot that life wasn't all about them. So when they're sitting in the chair, they're like, I didn't really like the worship, and it's too many songs, and it went too long, and I wish you'd play it this way, and the messages need to be more like, and you need to call me back, right? Sooner than you called me back last time. And I text you, and it's two hours later, and you hadn't texted me back, and, 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 you know what I mean? And it's like, you haven't, this is what it's like, you haven't met all of my needs. And you know what happens in churches too many times? Because I'm not saying that people's needs aren't relevant. It's not what I'm saying. But the problem with all of that is, do you see what happened? It's not all about you. Anybody tracking? <laughs> right, like it's not all about you. Like there's a bigger thing going on. There are other people, you know, in this mission. It's not just about you, but here's what happens to churches and to pastors. You see, because you know what this church represents? And this was real for us in the beginning. In the beginning, we had no people and no money, right? You know who's in this chair? 
people and money, right? And so when they're like, well, you didn't call me back. If you would just call me back and you'd spend more time with me and I know that it's gonna sacrifice your family and I know you're never gonna be home and you might get divorced and never see your kids and raise up to never see them, but you're gonna at least help raise my kids and you know, and raising my kids is gonna make my family better. I don't really care about your family. <laughs> Anybody that's been in ministry knows what that conversation's about. Because do you realize that like, this never goes away? Like, the needs of people never go away. Like, you could never meet every need in the world. There's so many needs just represented in this church today. You can't meet all of the needs, right? And so, in the beginning, when people are saying to you, well, I'm gonna leave if you don't, and I'm not gonna give if you don't, you know what happens to so many pastors? They're desperate for people, and they're desperate for money. Like, how can I meet your needs? And I don't care what I have to sacrifice. I don't want their time, their families, their money, you know, everything. And they end up quitting and getting burned out, and their churches tend to fall because they forgot the mission while they're, while they're focused on the baby. And they sit there, and they focus on him, and they sit there and focus on him. And so we made this decision from the beginning. I'm like, I can't do the baby chair. It might be a personality thing, but that ain't working. And I would rather have no people than a church full of those. So, here's your pacifier. I got work to do. And you know what's happened over time? There ain't very many people in that chair anymore. Because you know what they've realized? Is, is that you can sit at that chair. We love you. We will pacify. We will do, you know, like, like here, we still believe you can change. We know all that thing's gonna happen. But here's what you're not going to do. You are not going to get this church off mission. You are not going to take us away from what the mission that God has for each one of us in this room. Today, there are people who are dying that are going into a Christless eternity. I don't have time to sit there and do things for Christian people who have lost their focus, forgetting about everybody else while we sit there and, get, and, and try to pacify them over and over and over again. I'm like, listen to me. I love you. I love you. But there are souls at stake. Can we really not talk about the carpet Amen. or the paint? or they didn't like the worship song, or you did like the worship song, or like, oh my gosh. There's so much more. You hear me? There's so much more. There are people out there saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Can you give me something to eat? I, we are in a malnourished world. The worship team's gonna come back up and I'm gonna give you a couple things. We're living in a malnourished world today. People who are consuming and consuming and consuming and they're never getting full and the consuming is destroying them and we have the answer and we're so busy doing other things that we forgot about. We have the answer. The church is the answer, right? Jesus Christ is the answer. We have what's going to satisfy for all time. What are we doing? Right? And so for us at Life, and, and again, I think this is important for you to understand. If you want to be at Life, like, we love you and we want you to be here, but we want you to know that here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to give Satan a seat at the table. All right? We're not going to give Satan a seat at the table. 
And when Satan gets a seat at the table is when churches lose mission and vision, right? And when churches lose mission and vision, Satan gets a seat at the table and pretty soon they forget about what they were supposed to be doing because here's what Satan knows. Satan knows in this room today, and we can celebrate this part. Satan knows today that if you've given your life to Jesus Christ and that the blood of Jesus Christ has covered your sins, past, present, and future, he cannot get you back. But do you know what he can do? He can ruin your mission and vision and effectiveness into a world. So he's trying to spoil the food. He's trying to take people living on mission and distract them away from what matters most. And so if you're gonna come here, here's one of the things that I want you to recognize. We're gonna be a church to the best of our ability to keep Satan away from the table because we're gonna live on mission. And the challenging part about that is, is that it's not always comfortable. Like I've heard people say that before. You come to life and there's never like those like comfortable messages. And I'm like, listen, these are scriptural messages, right? Like this is what the Bible says and I don't think the Bible ever wanted us to be comfortable. Right? Like, I don't think the Bible would ever be like, just exist inside of your bubble and everything will be okay. And, you know, you don't ever have to, ex- you know, exercise. You don't ever have to do anything. Just be comfortable. Like, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says, you heard, go do. You heard, go do. You heard, exercise your faith. You heard, there are people in a Christless eternity. What are we going to do about it? How are we, and this is the challenge for you, right? Think about these two things. Who are you inviting? Okay, because for some of you, you need to think about that. Who are you inviting? Who needs to hear and partake from the bread of life? And how are you helping with the preparations? Right, those are the two things, right? For as a church, that's what we think about all the time. People ask me, how, do you, how can I get involved? Well, here's, here's an easy way. Who are you inviting, and how are you helping with the preparations? And you know what I mean about helping with the preparations, right? Parking your car out there, welcoming people in, helping set up, you know, chairs, making children's ministry and youth ministry. You know what I mean? We're preparing for guests, whatever that looks like, being on the worship team, you know, having conversations with people who brought guests. That's how you get involved in here at life. Who are you inviting? And how are you helping with the preparations? And when we do that, here's what's so cool. When we invite and when we prepare, the Holy Spirit does what only the Holy Spirit can do. Isn't that neat? Like all you had to do is prepare the ground. Like you didn't have to be the answer to to all of the problems of the people that walk in this room. You just have to prepare the soil. And when people come in, they're going to experience something that can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit with people who are obedient to what God has called them to do so that he can do what only he can do. And that's what we're trusting. We don't have all the answers. We don't do it all right. We make lots of mistakes, but I will tell you this. We're always going to be preparing the ground. We're always going to be putting seeds in the soil. But here's what we know. God is the one who's going to make them grow. God is the one in charge of the harvest. We'll do our part, and when he does his part, lives are changed forever. Will you stand so I can pray for you?
Heavenly Father, as we come to you, here's what we know and understand, Lord, that um, you gave us a charge, a commission to go into a world who is starving, who's been trying to fill themselves with destructive things for their entire life, and we have the bread, you. They'll never be hungry and never thirsty again. Lord, we have the answer. May we be a church, a people, giving out samples. May we be a church that's prepared for people coming in, knowing that when they come into this front door, the first face that they see might be the one that makes them feel comfortable in a way so that the Holy Spirit can do the work that he's been trying to do for so long. May you be the one handshake, the one smile, the one conversation that prepares the soil in a way so the Holy Spirit can work. And Lord, that's what we're praying for. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Change the hearts of mankind. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
what we need to land on, right? That reality. Our job is to prepare the soil. Our job is to be prepared for guests. Our job is to invite guests, but listen. Jesus is the power that transforms lives. And we believe that if we get the soil ready, if we do what God calls us to do, that he will do what only he can do. So will you and me as a church learn to invite, learn to go and make disciples? Will we be a part of the preparation process? Will we prepare the soil so God can do the work? So thanks everybody for being here this week. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.